0: sang this song to me, there was a message, message in his melody. melody, sweetest lyrics that I ever heard, there's a message in the songs of earth, tomorrow is another day, living is the only way, tomorrow's gonna ever come, listen to the words of the song, everything Everything is going to be, is oh, gonna be Good afternoon to our audience. This is Stephanie Wilson Coleman from The A Sip of Inspiration from the Champagne Connection. And I want to thank you for joining in uh, to for this live broadcast tonight in my research for an interesting topic and someone that I thought that would be really relevant for what we're experiencing now in this country, I ran across Sylvester Boyd. He specializes in race and racism in America. As a matter of fact, um, not only does he do that, but he's done some acting and he's writing a history piece um, in a book that's going to be for three or four books so that we can actually relive some of our own history in Chicago from what about 1917 up to uh, about the early 200s. So I wanna thank you, Sylvester Boyd for joining me. So welcome to A Sip of Inspiration.
1: Thank you and how are you today? Good.
0: Um, I would like for to spend a little time for the audience to get to know you. I know that um, you, Grew up in Chicago, relocated to Michigan for a while, came back and did some teaching, graduated from Chicago State University. Hey, another HBCU grad in the house, I'm telling you. The colonels, the colonels. Yes, HBCUs are just absolutely awesome. My son graduated from one, so I really love HBCUs. And from there, He's writing, he's even had the experience of being able to be in movies and stuff. So I think that the conversation along with race and racism will be timely for this time. And with your experience, you'll be able to shed a lot of light on how we view ourselves and what's going on, uh, especially in light of the fact that you have also had the opportunity to travel the world and live in a lot of different places. So let's get started. A hard question, which is what everybody's talking about now is, why do you think America has such a history of racial discrimination?
1: Well, we started out in a racial situation. Uh, We were imported uh, or sort of put on ships, but across the ocean in something called the Middle Passage. Uh, The first Americans, I believe, came here in about the year 1619. Uh, we've gone through several different incarnations of uh, racism. Uh, we were brought here for one thing: exploitation. Uh, we were exploited for our labor to pick cotton, cut sugarcane, and uh, that's why we we were brought from Africa. That was the only reason we were bought: free labor for the European
0: society. Yeah, you and know, I often say that the problem with America today is that having America has not gotten over the fact that there's no more free labor.
1: (laughs) Right, right. uh, So
0: what do you think can make the relationships better? uh,
1: Well, you know, frankly, uh, for white Europeans to realize the damage that they've caused other groups uh, until the Europeans look in the mirror, uh, white people look in the mirror and see themselves, see the pain that they caused black americans native americans asian americans you could go down the list everyone that they have come in contact with they have exploited to some degree and they and the mexican americans also Uh, for example a good example of the native americans when uh uh white men rounded them up and took them in something called a trail of tears from the east part of the united states to the west part of the united states because the land was more valuable in the eastern part of the united states so they actually marched them hundreds of miles uh, and many indians died on the way so it's not just what's done to african Americans; it's anyone that is not european so it's going to be up to white america to look in the mirror and see itself. Now, will they, will they ever get the courage to do that? I don't know because I think they float down the river of denial quite a bit, and I don't mean the river in Africa.
0: Okay, so I know, I know that they do tend to float down the river of denial. That's so true. So what are some of the most pressing problems in America now that we will face over the next five to ten years, especially if we don't rectify the situation within the next five years?
1: I think right now we're we're a split country. Uh, Half of the country is uh, liberal. The other half is conservative. And, uh, you know, it's it's not where one group uh, doesn't like the other group for political reasons. Uh, And and a lot of it is based on, again, going back to the the racial question. uh, I think there's a deep-seated fear that America and the world is becoming more and more brown. And that is re- and the world is reacting to that. It's something that's going to happen no matter what ha- uh, someone does, you can't stop it. It's like the tide. Mm-hmm. It, you can't stop it. It's like the sun coming up. Um, and I think that's a it's a fear amongst white Europeans. This is what's causing a lot of the problems politically to this day. We have had uh, 45 presidents, and uh, you know the only one has been anything other than a european this country should be shared by everyone everyone's contributed to it but there's only one group that has controlled it and now the fear of losing that control is what's causing our problems today in the next five to ten years that will become more and more manifest i think if if uh, we don't get a handle on this right now this is a very serious situation when you have one half of the country against the other half in a house divided cannot stand.
0: That's true. House divided cannot stand. And I think if we look around nature, we know nature loves diversity. So we do have to come together and and bond as a group. We've got to figure that out. We don't know how that looks, but we've got to be willing to try. How can we... What steps can we take individually to eliminate racial discrimination? Are there any easy steps, small steps, or is it just one great big step and let's get it done?
1: No, it couldn't be one big step, but, you know, uh, we have to get over this thing about we'll get there. We've been getting there when Martin Luther King was in 1963 and made the great I Have a Dream speech. We were getting there. Well, 50 years later, you know, and uh, we're still getting there. We seem to take two steps forward, one step back or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize that everyone's human. That's, that's the whole thing. There's no people on earth that are not human. Everyone has a skin color. There's no one. I haven't seen any clear people yet. So if someone can you know, tell me, hey, it's a clear guy right, they may be a little different, but everyone has a skin color. Okay, from very dark to very light and in between. Uh, and most people don't even know the reason for race. The reason for race is just the adaptation to your environment, the climate that you live in. Last time I saw a polar bear, he was white, and he lived in an in, in a environment that is covered with snow, which is white. And he never would catch a seal if he was any other color. So he's adapted to his environment. Uh-huh. We, you find darker people originally came from darker climates, and lighter people came from colder climates. Sort of really just natural, uh, we've made a big thing out of nothing. Race should not infer anything on anyone uh as far as intelligence or not being intelligent. Race should not be anything but race, and that's nothing but the color of a skin. We all have a color of a skin there's no one clear as i as I said and alluded to
0: so as we uh, look at around our society today, we see recently, I mean, over the last, I guess, 10 years, a lot of police brutality, and most of it is focused on race. So how do we break that cycle?
1: We break that cycle. Number one, I think what we have going on is the this, uh, this slogan, defund the police, is a horrible slogan. That's my opinion of it. It should have been restructure our police. So someone made a, a, a big uh, error in saying defund because defund means uh, you're gonna get rid of me. It's all negative connotation. So uh, that's one thing that we should take a look at because uh, defund is not like restructure. Police departments do need to be restructured. We need to have license for our police department. I'm, I'm one for every police officer that ever puts on a uniform to be licensed just like my barber, just like my doctor, just like my lawyer, why why are police not required when they have the power of life and death in their hands required to be licensed? In this way, uh, the state would have the power of pulling an officer's license without the unions and all these other things that come before uh, they can uh, get rid of a, a policeman that is not Doing his job or her job properly. So I'm one for licensing our police officers. I think it's a great, that would be a great step in the right direction. Another one is that we should have more mixed police squad cars, more police uh, of different backgrounds interacting with each other. Mm At least in Chicago, for example, here now, I see too many white policemen, three and four in a car, two in a car, whatever it is, and they're all white. And then I see the black policemen, they're all black. That's coming, that's mixed that up because some conversations that take among that would take place amongst people of the same group may not take a a place if there was someone else there of another group. So we need to do a lot of, that's a little thing. We also need to have more uh, police involvement in the community. Uh, When I was a kid, I knew my officers uh, that was on the beat because we had beat cops back then. They didn't ride around the cars. There were they had, there were some in cars, but you actually had a, a just like you know your postman, uh-huh. a police officer on your block. You knew Officer Vic or Officer Joseph or whoever it was, and they had a, a better handle on the community. If I did something wrong, uh, uh, the co- the police officer could come to my door, knock on the door, and said, Miss, Miss Boyd, is this your son? He's out here, blah, blah, blah. He's doing so and so and so. And back in those days, of course, uh, I, I, I didn't fear the police officer, but I did fear my mother. <laughs> so that, it's, a it's a different time now. Uh, but I think that relationship between police officers and citizens have been uh, just frayed from just because police officers, believe it or not, in America came from slave patrols. They were the ones that went out and caught the, the runaway slaves. So it's always been a, a, a tension between the african-american and brown communities in the police officers they're they're not regulated as, as they should be and i think we should take a hard look at licensing policemen
0: um and when we say licensed um that generally comes with an educational component because a lot of them don't have a lot of education you know they're straight out of high school in some places or maybe two years of college I think barbers have to have more education and continuing education classes than police officers.
1: Well, you know, worldwide, get, getting away from just the U.S., uh, you know, places like Denmark, but uh, they're monolithic, more monolithic society than, than we are, because we have several racial groups within our borders. Uh, they, don't, they don't have neither uh, po- of police shootings of uh, citizens as we, as we have. You, you go to different places in the world, we're probably the worst at that. And here's my problem with uh, the interaction of police with the citizens. Why is it always people of color that get shot? I'm not seeing that white people getting shot like I am. And they say the police officers need more training. Yes, they do. But you don't have to train them not to shoot people in the Caucasian or, or European community. So they need the same training. Why, why would they need any different training? They just need to be respectful. They learned to have more moral values and fiber and they don't have that. You don't need a lot of training not to shoot an innocent person or shoot people in the back. You don't need that. And so I get they get that kind of gets me when they say, Well, they need more training. Well, I don't see them killing people in Everston or out in the suburbs like they do here. Yeah, I don't see and most of the victims are black and most of the victims are male. So there's a implied bias in what's going on
0: right um so our next question is blacks and other minorities differ in assessments of why it may be harder for black people to get ahead what's the rationale behind this view and what can be done to correct it
1: well you know the rationale behind the view i think is that everybody has a different background uh, we were the only people who were enslaved. That makes a heck of a difference in uh, the way you approach and see things. Uh, a- African-American and Indians have a different background and African-American and Asian have a different background. And so we come from different uh, viewpoints. And so the way we view America may not be the same way that some other minorities view America. Most of the American Southwest was, belongs to Mexico, California, New Mexico. All of those uh, states were um, Mexican. Uh, and so they're going to look at it maybe a little different because they saw their land being taken from them. African Americans didn't have the land taken from them. They were taken from their land. So that makes a, a sort of difference in the way you would view things. Asian-Americans, they may have a bone to pick. They got uh, locked up in World War II in internment camps for the simple reason that uh, we were at war and the government thought that uh, they were more uh, likely to do something against our government than the the Germans. Uh, Germans were, what, European white people and uh, Asians didn't look quite like European white people. So <laughs> no, no, these, are, these are the things that, you know, everybody's got sort of a bone to pick. The Indians, I'm sure, on the reservation, in some of the poorest people in America today, this country is, belongs to them. This was the people that uh, were here before everybody else. They, uh, I think, came across the land bridge from Africa, uh, from, from uh, Asia. Across from Alaska. Uh-huh. There was, at one time, the Bering uh, Straits was solid, so you could walk across that part of the. So you got to go back a little bit. And Indians went from that, from Alaska, all the way down to the tip of South America. Different name, different tribe, but basically the same group of people that kind of spread out and diversified as they, as they spread out. Uh, so, knowing history and knowing geography, uh, that's what we don't know and what you don't know they used to say don't hurt you but yeah it does it it does hurt you we another big thing we should do is have education in our schools that educate people to their history and you can't deprive me of my history without depriving the white child of their history it just doesn't work it's like oil and water Uh, history is history it's a a fact is a fact Uh, and uh, we get into a situation a lot of times where we try to omit things from history. I took a course called history's omission.
0: Oh, and boy,
1: wow. yeah, that was, that was one that, you know, a lot of things are left out of history. Uh, things that uh, in generally glorify the European society a white society is, 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 boy, held in high esteem. And yet when somebody brown or Black does something is kind of low key or left out altogether. When I was a kid, I could never understand why Tarzan was in Africa and he was a white man. I could never understand that. It just, it just never registered. Or why when the Indians would, uh, would do something, they were white men with their faces painted like Indians. Why not let an Indian play his own part? So there's a lot of things all down the line if you really look at it. So racism in America, is like uh, mixing up a bunch of salt and pepper and then trying to separate it. It's, it's, in, it's ingrained in all of us. We train uh, one way or the other that one group is superior to the other. Uh, and we don't get the, the knowledge of who we are as a people. You, in order for you to feel good about yourself, you have to think highly of yourself. Uh, if you think you're not as good as somebody else, uh, then you're going to kind of have a life that goes that way that you, you won't react to things the way you should. Uh, our school children are not taught, you know, about, uh, their culture, Joe Lewis, uh, you did just go on and on and on. Like the great America, the Tuskegee airmen, mm-hmm. who uh, in world war II, uh, were assigned to, to, uh, escort heavy bombers across. They call them the heavies from, uh, uh, into Berlin and in, into into Nazi Germany. And they had white fighter pilots that were escorting the planes and the bombers were getting shot down. When the Tuskegee Airmen took their position, they painted their tails red because they wanted them to know that they were a different group of people up here now not flying. And they weren't supposed to be flying. That was a myth too. Black people are not smart enough to fly. So you always get the myth and the lies. Okay, so now they're flying And guess what? They never lost one heavy bomber they escorted. That makes me proud. That gives me goosebumps. Look, uh, 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 Dr. Uh, Charles Drew, Uh, you know, uh, some of the first open heart surgery was done at Provident Hospital in Chicago. Uh, If you knew your history, you will be, I'm proud. proud. If I went away tomorrow and died and came back, I would want to be an African-American. I'm proud of my people. I'm proud of what they have achieved. And they've achieved it with weight, holding them down all the way. It's like running with a weight on your leg. And they still made the great, some great, Muhammad Ali, Marin Anderson, I can just go off the You just go and go and go and go. If you look at the list of who we are, we are one great people. And our kids don't know that. And and for you to get that self-esteem, you have to kind of know your history. You have to know who was there before you. We stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, I'm proud of my, my grandmother and, and, and uh, the people who picked the cotton in the South. But for them, I wouldn't be here. Some man and a woman on a slave ship was strong enough to make that a crossing from, from Africa to the New World. They were strong enough, because if you didn't uh, tolerate salt water very well, a lot of people don't know this, uh, if you didn't tolerate salt water, you died, and you just got thrown over the side of the ship. That was the way that was done. It was simple as that. So knowing that, knowing that we are very strong, uh, the the best of the best arrived at these shores because the weak people were kind of uh, cold out. They they died in the transit a lot, and were out in the ocean. So we, but we have to know those things, and not enough of us really know. A lot of people take history as just some kind of odd science or something. But it'll give you a sense of who you are, believe me. It'll give you a sense of who you are.
0: As you say, say, I love that. Just some sort of odd science up there. I guess they're trying to explain why there are no clear clear people. You're right. right. It will give you a really good sense of who you are and actually what you're made of. And the fact that we are more powerful than we know. So, so, we know that race relations is a, is a pressing issue in America. Would you think it's one of the most pressing issues in America?
1: It's one of many. Uh, race relations, I wouldn't say with the most important, but it's in the top five, I would say. Okay,
0: that. so it's in the top yeah. five. So, it's yeah, really important.
1: It's, yeah, it's really important. I would say that. Uh, you know, we got the environment that that's a that's a major problem Uh, we have a political problem that's uh but the one problem usually falls over to the other like domino i mean we have a race problem and that taints our political situation so one falls into the other uh environment yeah well you know if, if you put all the uh uh dirty uh industry in, into the brown and black communities that's another problem that you can see a racial tends to it so many of the things that we have to look at are tinged by a racial dynamic there's there's some racism within it uh you don't usually see somebody building a, a coal-fired plant in or or garbage uh reclamation place in a, in a nice suburban neighborhood, mostly uh, Caucasian people. You just don't see that. Uh, the right. other thing the other thing is that, you know, I just alluded to the Tuskegee Airmen. And when they came back, you know, from the war, you they had a GI Bill and all the guys that bought were uh, veterans and they came back and they had the GI Bill it was to, to help people uh, with mortgages and make loans. Well, the first suburban, uh, suburb built, was in, in, in New York, Levittown, New York. And guess what? They had a restricted cover They would, they didn't want any black or brown people in there and that were allowed to go into their home housing. So, that, you know, that's history. I know that, that 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 you came back, you fought for your country, uh, you were willing to die for your country, but yet you couldn't live in uh, Levittown, New York, right after World War II. So there's a lot of things that when you know history, you get a real picture of what your country is. We love our country, but the question is, does our country love us?
0: That's true. So let's talk about some of your experiences from traveling. Do you find the same issue exists in other countries, or or is America just a special part of, um, of oddness?
1: <laughs> America is... Uh, unique. Let's put it that way.
0: Okay. Uniqueness. You
1: know, yes. That trail, but every country has problems. There's no country on earth that's paradise. Uh, there, you know. But if you go to, I've been to Denmark, and they seem to have it. Uh, when they get sick, they can go to the doctor and not have to worry about a staggering hospital bill. Or I can go up to Nun to Canada, and you know, same thing. Or I can go to England, and it's the same thing. But for some reason. America cannot uh, give us health care, which should be a right. It should be a right. Nobody wants to get sick. So you're not ripping off the system if you get sick. Nobody. I've never seen anybody say, well, I'd like to catch a n- little pneumonia today. Nobody does that. And the only reason that we have the health care system we have is because we've sold out to the rich and uh, the insurance companies
0: uh-huh.
1: it, it, they could institute the same system and, and duplicated in america tomorrow that gave all of us, all of its citizens health care insurance everybody needs it there's not one person that don't need it because we don't anyone know when we're going to get sick and with the pandemic like it is right now you can see what that means health care is very important so That's that's one of America's shortcomings. Greed is a a big one in America. Uh, The people at the top uh, right now sucking the money out of the economy like a big vacuum cleaner, basically. Uh, We uh, don't give, you talk $15 an hour, that's a pittance. That's not, and the, the minimum wage should be at least that and to me, about $20 an hour to $25 an hour. And they say, well, we'll have to raise prices. But if tomorrow, uh, let's say for example, McDonald's had to pay more for hamburger, they would just pay more. The vendor went up and we'll raise our prices. Why is wages different? Why are wages put into a different category? So we got a, we got a lot of, that's another thing that we need to address. The the uh, the difference uh, between the rich and the poor in this country. That's one of the other top five, the inequities in, in wages and, and the inequities between men and women. That should be addressed. Women are 50 over 51% of, of the country. Why why do they have to get so much on a dollar than anybody else? If you do the same job that a man does, you should be paid the same money. There's no reason you shouldn't be. That's, so women have been discriminated against too, just as much as... Uh, uh, almost to the degree that uh, black and brown people have. Maybe not quite, but um, just almost right there. So white males, and you have to put it the way it is. I, you know, I, I refuse to lie to myself <laughs> okay. as an individual. I refuse to lie to me. Okay, So if I said white males are not responsible for this, then I would be lying to myself. Okay, There's no other way to put it. The slave master on the ship was a white male. The plantation, owner who whipped black people was a white male. And we got to get get around trying to make him feel good. He needs to look at who he is and why he did what he did and have sort of a, a, a moment for himself to figure out who he is. Because when you look at it, when you die, the money, you can be the richest person on earth. Right now, the pandemic is a good example. If I got a billion dollars, I can't go to the movies. I can't fly all over the world because the disease is everywhere. So my money is going to do me very little good right now. When you die, I've never seen a brink truck follow a Hertz. It don't work. Nobody gets the grave doesn't get filled up with dollar bills. It just doesn't. And so we have the emphasis in the wrong places. I think our priorities are, are, are skewed.
0: That is so true. Um, and back to the uh, women versus men, you're right. I think uh, black women make 69 cents for every dollar that a white man makes, and white mm-hmm. women is about eighty, eighty one cent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's we do have a lot of work to do, and white men do have a lot of work to do. They need to look at themselves in the mirror to see uh, what has been caused because. The new theory of middle out uh, e- uh, economics, which is really not that new, is like, just like you said, if, if beef goes up, McDonald's just pays more for the beef and people will buy it at the price if they're making a livable wage. Right now, they're not even making a livable wage. So what they're feeding us is, I guess, what we can afford to buy, which in some cases is junk, which is not good for us, which causes health care problems, which, you can't go to the doctor because even on some of the healthcare plans, the, uh, the co pays are 50 and $60. And then you get a big bill at the end. Who can afford that? And uh, when I was in Amsterdam, they do have, they manage to provide healthcare for all of their citizen- citizens also.
1: Pre healthcare. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, it, it, uh, well, you got to go back to the whole structure of the country was always on, mm-hmm. built on exploitation. Okay. You know, people exploiting, one group exploiting the next group. Uh, America was built by everyone, but it was really built on the back of black and brown people more than white people. Uh, you go to the White House, I think white, uh, black people built that White House. I think black labor built the White House that, that uh, the president sits in. All of our presidents sit there. But we didn't see fit to let them live there. and They never got voted in there to Barack Obama. So we have a lot of issues. And, you know, the big thing is morals. America is very rich. It's a rich country as far as materialistic goods. I can buy a car. I have a nice apartment. Uh, I have all the food that I want to eat. And not everybody here has that. But when it comes to morals, America is almost bankrupt. It's a society that has lied to itself. We've built one lie upon another, and uh, you know, you say, "Okay, all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, right, liberty and the pursuit of happiness." But how can you say that when you got slaves? Something, something's wrong there. There's oil and water there. there's, there, there's, there's something. And that started way back when we said those things, but then we were only three-fourths of a human being. Who gave white people the right to tell me I'm three-fourths of something? They don't have that right. I'm not giving them that right. I'm a human being just like they are. So these these things have to be looked at from a real standpoint. Kind of go around making people. I'm not gonna tell you something to make you feel good. I'm gonna tell you what is real. There's only two things. There's wrong and there's right. It ain't about black and it ain't about white. It's wrong and there's right.
0: In the recent election, um, we heard there was a lot of conversation about voting, not voting. Um, and why is it that some people don't value the vote? And why is it we, we vote in large numbers, but we don't receive justice? So. Why do
1: you think that is? Then You just said it. You vote in large numbers, but you don't see the results of your vote. So a lot of people just drop out and say, it doesn't make any difference anyway. I know better. But uh, a lot of people uh, just say, well, it doesn't make any difference anyway. I'm still still, uh, making $3.50 an hour doing what I'm doing, plus a little bit of a side hustle over here. And I got to go five places to make enough to feed my family. When I was a kid, a man could go to work, feed his family on eight hours pay and everything would be okay. He had plenty enough money to take care of his family. Then it got to be where the man and the woman had to go to work. And now that's not enough with the man and the woman working. So you can see the inequity, it, it grows. Uh, in, in my lifetime, I've seen that, that, that transformation between enough money for, that could be earned on a job to take care of a family, to now is not enough. And you got to work two or three jobs someplace uh, to take care of family uh, so that they live at a decent lifestyle. Uh, But then I've also owned stocks, okay, And uh, I made money on my stocks. And this is where the money goes right now. Uh, You go and you get in the stock market. And the way it's going right now, you can sit in your living room and make more than some people will make in a year. Just because you got the right stock and you got enough money, like a racehorse. Your horse comes in, you got enough money to uh, to to make you very wealthy, doing nothing. You're not picking cotton. You're not building buildings. You're not doing the hard labor. Now that, Not to say that some white people don't do hard labor, but we catch COVID, number one, because we're in the jobs of the bus driver. We're in a job that the people are on the street a lot, the nurses, we, we're in the, uh, the maids in, in the hotels. So these kinds of things, then you say, well, black people catch it, black and brown people catch it more often. Well, yeah, I'm going to catch it more often than if I can't lay in my house all day and, and, and work for my computer. Then somebody is driving a bus and come expose, them, or I'm a grocery store worker who has the stock shelves and people are going in and out of store all day, naturally I'm gonna catch it more often. So it's a lot of inequities. One inequity leads to another. Our country is built on not being fair and just everyone, but the person who gets the, can get to the dollars as quick as, is the, the person that gets advanced. And we rank people by how wealthy they are. How wealthy they are shouldn't be, uh, uh, is not the character of a person. You could be the richest man in the world, and and be the most vile person you ever want to meet. So the morals doesn't come from being wealthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Morals and wealth have nothing to do with each other.
0: Let's talk about reparations. There's a there's been a conversation for years in the media about uh, reparations, and we've seen uh, some other cultures who have received reparations. So. Do you see a time when African Americans will receive reparations? And if you could put a dollar value on it, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, that dollar what? value thing, yeah. We have to do, yeah, you know, yeah. we have to have an, an economist do the the, the value of yeah. money from time all over, yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be scary. That, that That's real scary. <laughs> uh, but I think there's things you can do. Maybe give uh African American education at the university. That would be something you could do. Free education. Uh there would be uh that would give them a chance to to join the society at a higher educational rate. They would be educated better. Uh there's uh things like you could uh actually help small businesses, African American businesses get started. Uh maybe they could get a special loan or grant that would be a pool of money that they could tap into. That would rotate. Uh, There's things that you can do. Uh, You don't have to, you know, when you say reparation, everybody says, oh, get the checkbook out and America's gonna make a a check for every. every." No, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it's gonna, I think we do deserve reparation. Uh, White people have benefited from our labors. And a lot of our, like I said, we picked cotton, but we didn't get paid that much for it. And uh, my ancestors did a lot of things. The, the White House, I'm sure, was built by Black people. But what was the pay rate back then? You know, so we've been exploited. And so I do think we have something coming uh, in, the, in the form of a little bit of a leg up since we were so often given a leg down.
0: That's true. We were. Um, and I I agree that. Funding small businesses and free education, but you know, I need to count my money. So you know, we need to figure out how to write me a check.
1: <laughs> well, we open open right. a business and go into that government pool and get some of that money. That's right. Uh, but I think I think I don't know what form it would take. Uh, there's That's lots right. of ways that you can kind of adjust the economy in in the in the uh, the government. So, it, it helps all of its citizens. Uh, you know, things that have been done to us uh, have not been paid for. So, as Martin Luther King said, they've given us a blank tra- check and it came back insufficient funds. So, that's where we kind of are. And uh, we in America need to quit lying to ourselves. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, be truthful. When we get to the truth, that will, they say you should know the truth and the truth should set you free. And uh, if we don't say what, call a spade a spade, if we keep walking on the eggshells saying this is what it is and it's not what it is, you're fooling yourself. And so now we, we're coming to the point where we have a society that's split. It's, it's split in half right now because some people believe the lies that one group is superior to another one. Some people believe the lies that some people are dumber than others. Uh, because of skin color, whatever, or, or a person got more money, that doesn't make you, it doesn't make you smart. If if I go out and hit the lottery tomorrow for, for $20 million, I'm not any smarter than I was the day before. I just have That's the right. means to right. do things. That's right. It's, it's that simple. So I think we need to look at things a little different and quit evaluating people by how much money they have. You know, the, the a person's wealth worth is not their wealth, not how much they got in the bank. It, it goes in a lot. Yeah, money is maybe a component of it, but it also is how well educated are they? How do they respect their fellow man? What do what they do with the, the time on earth we got? Because we only got so much time on planet earth. We all do the same things. I say this in, in, when I do other interviews. We're born, we live, we die. There's nobody that gets around that. So the time between the birth and the death, what do you do with it? Do you help your fellow man or do you knock your fellow man down? And that's the the question that we should be asking ourselves as a nation right now. Uh, The race situation won't be bad if you are considerate of your fellow man. If you have respect, that's one of my biggest words, respect. Mm -hmm. Uh, A husband can't hit his wife if he respects his wife. Uh, Things, just bad things happen when you give disrespect because disrespect will always bring resentment. It just, it's disrespect, resentment. You're going to get them like one and two. So uh, another question
0: I have is when it comes to hiring African-Americans and African-Americans getting those great jobs and income, is it true, have you found it to be true that we have to be twice as qualified as our white counterparts? I do, (laughs) but do you, that's been my experience, but have you seen evidence of that?
1: Sure you do, because, I'm not saying every white person is born with a silver spoon and some white people work just as hard as anyone else and some of them are are have you deprived just like anyone else but for you to get ahead in 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 the world that we have today and you're black you got to be one smart cook uh, joe lewis couldn't be a mediocre boxer he couldn't do it uh you know uh arthur ash couldn't be a mediocre Venus and Serena couldn't be mediocre. We can't be mediocre. We have to be the best to get there.
0: And what two strengths do you think we should learn to master in our climb to success? Uh,
1: perseverance. That's, that's one strength. You you gotta have it. And 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 be honest. Perseverance and honesty.
0: and especially to yourself. Yeah. So, do you believe that we should rebuild Black Wall Street? Do you think it's wise or are we even able to?
1: Uh, well, that's a good. I think we should be in business like everyone else, given okay. the same opportunities that everyone else is given. And the only uh, you know, thing that holds us back is that we're not giving access to the capital that we need to do the things that we need to do just like any other individual i walk into the bank and i can get the same amount of money and have the same business plan and have it go through the bank and be funded then i'll be equal and uh i won't have to have separate we don't need separate but equal we need equal period
0: right that's true as you may be able to get the loan, but the interest rate will be different. Or the payment <laughs> right, terms will be right. different. There's that trick in there somewhere. Yeah, right, right. Uh, same thing in buying a car. Um, it shows up in everything. So let's switch topics a little bit to some fun stuff. Tell me about your book that you're writing. Tell us about your book.
1: Okay. My book is uh, about my aunt who uh, went from the cotton field of Mississippi, which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, the South. She was born in money mississippi i don't know do you know anything about money mississippi or not but money mississippi is where emmett till was killed and uh, he was mutilated and thrown in the tallahatchie river because someone said he whistled at a white woman and that was the beginning of the civil rights movement that was pre-martin luther king that was before uh, the, the movement started in 1955 from that death of emmett till so uh, that's my folks were born in that town. So I thought that was an interesting thing. I'd never been there, but my I used to sit at my grandmother's knee and she used to tell me about her mother and her father. And uh, she would tell me how they were slaves. And, uh, you know, so I can go back at my family to those dates and those times and those places. Uh, then uh, my aunt came to Chicago in 1937. And, uh, and but with the Great Migration, a lot of Black people left the South because the South wasn't uh, a great place for them to be. And during World War II, of course, the economy boomed because uh, in, in the 20s and 30s with the Great Depression. So uh, after the Great Depression and doing, Blacks left the South in droves, which was called the Great Migration. And, and uh, she came to Chicago. She settled in Bronzeville. Uh, and uh, she lived at the, on Lake Park Avenue in Brownsville. She bought, she bought uh, a house. Uh, she was able to do things that a lot of African-Americans can do because she married uh, my uncle Sidney, and, and uh, he could pass a white. And so she was able to go places, and he was able to make deals to buy property that she couldn't have done if she had just been a black person in that time and date. So that was sort of a leg up. He died, uh, really, uh, this was in the 1940s. He died in 1955, the same year Emmett Till was killed. Mm -hmm. I was 12 years old at that point in time. Uh, Basically, from that, they bought, uh, before he died, he bought an apartment building. And then she bought another apartment building. And so she traveled around the world. Uh, So she's a very interesting lady. And you got to put in the perspective of the time this was. We're talking 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 you know, it, it, You can't think about it in today's time. You got to think about it in that time to be able to do that. She was a millionaire when she died. So she went from the cotton fields of Mississippi to a millionaire. I thought that was a great journey. In World War II, she, uh, she was Rosie the River. She worked at uh, the uh, Ford Motor Plant, Ford City out there. And uh, she built engines, aircraft engines, I believe, for some of the planes that flew in World War II. So oh. her life was very, very, very interesting.
0: That's what I saw. and how many books are you uh, have have now? How, I know you said. You well, I've written, I've written
1: two. Oh. I've written two. Okay. And they're all about her. This is a series. And each book it takes you through a different period of time period. Uh, and the third one will be launched, uh, I hope, uh, this January, coming up this January. We're doing the covers for it now, and we're doing some proofreading and, you know, all the things that go in to make a book, uh, a book. And uh, I'm I'm really excited about being able to, to 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 launch the third book. Never thought I'd be an author, but here I am. Uh, I'm, I'm an author, an actor. Uh, I've been a businessman for 20 years.
0: Well, let's talk uh, about home. your business yeah
1: uh, i well, forgot about uh, that that is that was <laughs> exciting yeah i i was in the I, and here here's what i always tell people if you can dream it you can do it and i got a book one time in the mail and it was ad specialties it's about for me to buy ad specialties i don't know how i came about it but i looked in it and i said this is interesting and uh it was you know, balloons and keychains and all these things with different custom imprinted uh things, uh logos and uh slogans and I thought that was interesting. So then I looked up I looked up the uh, company, it was a company on the back of it. I called them and I acted as though I was trying to uh buy something from them. And I not send some more information. And then from that, I found out how I got into ASI, which is the Advertising Specialty Institute. Advertising Specialty Institute is is the, uh, like the uh, group that, uh, the association that you get into to do advertising specialties. From that, I started to uh, ask for, inquire, how did I get, how would I get into that association? They sent me a wealth of information. They said, just, you know, I didn't, asked for the information, they started to send it. And I found out that I could uh, get into this, into this group. And once I got in, then the whole world opened up thousands of products, pencils, balloons, caps, jackets, t-shirts, custom imprinted. To make a long story short, I ended up uh, doing business with Coors Beer out of Golden, Colorado. McDonald's out of Oak Brook, Illinois. Uh, at that time, uh, 7-Up was in Clayton, Missouri. Uh, that was one of my clients, Frito Lay out of uh, Texas, uh, the Chicago Public Schools, uh, Western Michigan University, it goes on and on. That was my client list. And I was the chief cook and bottle washer just from getting a book. And I said, I'm going to do this. Well, I'm a person like this. If I want to do something, then I figure out, well, that, here's the will. I got the will. Now let me find the way. And you use that's why people say there's a will, there's a way. So. I ended up doing that for 20 years, and it took me all over the United States for 20 years, and it fed me and kept a roof over my head, so uh, that was very interesting. Uh, Then uh, I always wanted to teach school, so I put in an application. I had a college degree, so uh, to give the kids something back as I got older, I wanted to give back, and uh, I taught school for five years, Chicago Public School over in Austin on the west side of Chicago. Dunbar High School, Michelle Clark High School, uh, just uh, all over Chicago I taught. Uh, Then I got to be walking down the street one day and uh, a guy says, uh, hey, you look like somebody that needs to be in one of our movies. Would you be interested in being in a movie? I mean, this just fell out of the sky on me. Wasn't planning on it, never thought about it. And uh, to make a long story short, I've been on Chicago PD on Empire. I just received the, the award the first time they did it for the uh, background acting award. Uh, so, oh, cool. uh, so you know, it, it, life is interesting. I tell people it's interesting. You got to go get it, don't wait for it to come to you. You got to go get it.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. I
1: and uh, I, left, I left out. I left out something else. Okay. I, the, I worked for American Airlines out of O'Hare Field for, for 12 years. And with the third black crew chief, which is in charge of loading aircraft, I loaded one of the first 747 aircraft to go out my crew out of O'Hare. So there's another load. I mean, I've done a lot of things. I mean, God has been good. And when opportunity comes and it knocks, I'm ready to, to go. That's, That's the way good. I looked at. It. And so now, I, I don't think I'll ever retire. You know, as long as my health and strength stays good, I'm not going to, I'm going to keep going.
0: Well, you keep saying yes to all of the things God throws your way, so it's not done yet. You're gonna be here for a while. Well,
1: He's thrown a lot my way, and I thank Him every day for it.
0: Well, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. This has been a great conversation, and. I think that uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about are things that need to be talked about in our society now. And just the honesty that we're able to bring to the conversation, that you were able to bring to the conversation has been helpful and both enlightening. So I want to thank you for joining me. And with that, we're going to end the show. Uh, With that, as I tell my audience and listeners, do not go gently into that good night. I want you to find a heel worth dying for and take it. I want you to be the person that you have been waiting for and to make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous and above all else, do it your way. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor, and it has been my pleasure. And as we say good night, you guys, remember life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Thank you. Good night, everyone. too short to drink cheap champagne so I decided to buy me a better brand to taste with my strawberries